0: blog talk radio good saturday morning on august the 16th we're already halfway through the month you guys here uh, i want to welcome you to blog talk ready on this beautiful saturday morning to off the shelf thank you thank you thank you to our loyal listeners who've been with us for more than 10 years. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I want to introduce myself. I'm the host of Off the Shelf, Denise Turney. And as I always say, I'm coming to you live from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the city of brotherly love. I thank you for your support. And I thank all of you who have gotten a copy of my new book, Love Pour Over Me, where you can get free excerpts at my website, com. C H I S. -S 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 dot com. you're going to get mystery and romance, you high chase scenes, loads of entertainment, but most of all, uh, just quality relationships, particularly a complicated relationship between a father and a son, and then a very special relationship between Raymond and the love of his life, Brenda, and fri- uh, friendships between five guys who meet Raymond, one of them. At college. If you love sports, Raymond's a track runner. There's just so much that goes on in the story, and especially between the characters. I tell people if you value relationships, you'll really enjoy love for over me and how the events change the characters in the story. So I'd love for you to go get a copy. Again, you can read free excerpts at my website, com, or go to Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Uh, the i the 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 Apple Books, Walmart, anywhere in print or e you can get a copy of Love Pour Over Me today, and I I thank you and I appreciate you for doing that. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our special guest today is Ewa Frazier. She's only going to be with us for about a half an hour. Uh, I, I just learned before the start of the show, but I will offer some tips and guidance, advice for you guys as it relates to writing the second half. You know, I've done this before. Or I have to be quick on my feet, so I will do that again. But I want to introduce Duiwa to you. In addition to being an award-nominated poet, she's a book author and an educator, a Brooklyn native. She released her young adult novel, Deanne in the Middle, last month. And other works that she has created included Goddess Under the Bridge, Shedding Light from My Journeys, Ten Marbles in a Bag to Put Them in, and Stardust Tracks on a Road. She's also the editor and publisher of Check the Rhyme, an anthology of female poets and MCs. And her works have been nominated for the Writer's Digest Publishing Award and for an NAACP Image Award. You off-the-shelf listeners, you all can go and learn more about Duiwa at her website, and it's duiwaworld.com spelled D-U-E-W-A-W-O-R-L-D dot com. Again, it's D-U-E-W-A-W-O-R-L-D dot com.
1: Welcome to Author the Shelf, Duewa. Thank you so much, Denise. I really appreciate being here with you on your radio show, and I want to congratulate you on your wonderful books as well. Well, thank you. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm flipping back and forth here at home from the the uh, studio, uh, and and then the, where I have my research questions. I know you have to go and about jump in about thirty minutes. So if you can watch that and just let me know when you have to jump. Great. Well,
1: I, I could do it. you know I could do 40 minutes if you know up to you know what I'm. You know, so that's fine with me. I could do you know forty minutes.
0: Okay. Um, Want to start by asking? I like to give our off the shelf listeners backstory on the guests so they can develop some. Uh, some type of connection with the guests before I start talking about their writing words. So to start, I wanted to ask you, and I work actually on Fifth Avenue in New York right now, uh, three days a week, so I wanted to ask you, what was Brooklyn, I know it's changed a lot recently, but what was Brooklyn like when you were growing up?
1: Well, I was born in Brooklyn, and my family and I lived in Queens, actually, for several years. and. The bulk of my childhood and uh, teenage life was spent in the Midwest. So I was raised in New York, and we would spend summers here uh, in Queens and Brooklyn and some holidays.
0: Oh, okay. Has Have you gone back? Has it changed a lot since you were a kid? I know Brooklyn's really, really grown, and I'm told the properties there, the prices have gone up, but it's changed a lot from people who mm-hmm. still live there who have, who have told me. Have you gone back?
1: Well, I would say I came uh back to Brooklyn as an adult after college. So, uh my understanding is that, you know, there have been some uh changes in communities. I'm sure you know about gentrification. Um but I'm not an expert, you know, on those things, so Okay. And what yeah. did you
0: dream about when you were a kid? I know you do you write have written some young adult Uh, a young adult novel which you recently released. When you were a child, what did you dream of becoming?
1: You know, honestly, I think that I didn't necessarily say as a child, oh, I'm going to be a writer, but uh, my family, I've come from a family of educators, so everything was, you know, reading, education, my grandmother uh, is a retired teacher. When I was little, she would work with me on my on my math and my writing. My mother did the same. The year-round, I got a real um, um, practice in loving books and literature. You know, I started out going to the library very young. You know, that's what we did on Saturdays. If it wasn't the museum, it was the library or some arts venue where we picked up children's books and Uh, My family shared poetry books with me. I remember uh, June Jordan's book, uh, who's a very well-known poet, um, uh, now deceased, of course, uh, wrote a story called Kamako's Story. And it was about a young black girl who is basically telling her story about being in her neighborhood and being with her mother and getting her hair cornrowed and being with her friends. And it was a beautiful, well-written children's story, and that became one of my favorite books, along with uh, Zealy by Virginia Hamilton, a well-known African-American children's author. So I read books by those authors and many others, you know, the Runaway Bunny, Bunny and the Richard Scary books. And so my childhood was filled with books, and I started writing. I, my earliest memory of writing and being conscious of wanting to write was around the age of nine. I wrote an essay for my school's uh, Dr. Martin Luther King essay contest, and I won the essay contest. And from there, I really uh, kept a journal regularly. And um, one of the, I was involved in a lot of different extracurricular activities in high school. I was in the drama club, I was in cheerleading, um, I went out for cross country track. I was also in the choral speaking group, which. We the group read poetry and the poetry of Maya Angelou. So it was very interesting that I ended up becoming a poet later in life. Um, I think that I I'm thought gonna... I would be. In, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I think I thought I would be involved in the arts in some way, but actually, I went to um, Hampton University for undergrad. And my major was marketing. I felt I was, you know, a creative person, and I thought I would go into marketing, advertising, and possibly go to law school. It wasn't until by the end of my college career that I said, you know what, I want to be a writer. In my junior year, I started writing for the student newspaper, and I was also an intern for the uh, university relations uh, department at Hampton. And so I was involved with um, helping to disseminate press releases and getting involved with media work, and that really interests me a lot. And I I had no idea I was really going to um, really focus on being a published writer at some point.
0: Wow, isn't that interesting? Yes. How all of your paths develop. Now, your works have been published in periodicals like Essence, Reverie, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Quayley? Quayley
1: Quayley Journal, yes. (laughs) Yeah,
0: the title... Title Basin Review Poetry and Performance Drum Voices Review Black Arts Quarterly X Magazine Etc. For off the shelf listeners, do you another? You just and I appreciate you sharing that your path to to writing. You enjoyed poetry and you read poetry when you were a, a child, and then when you were in college, you started working with the, the college school paper, and you enjoyed with the press releases and getting those out, and you just enjoyed that work. So that would led you into becoming a published author yourself, before I offer shelf listeners who might not have that back, background and they want to themselves either become a published poet or a novelist, et cetera, just asking you and maybe some of what you share can help them, how are you able to get your work published in those types of, I mean, really meaty regional and national, nationally known publications?
1: Okay, I want to say this. And and I'm sure that people will will feel me on this. I once read years ago that what you focus on grows. I don't know where I read it. I'm sure I was out of college when I read it. I was very intent on, one, writing on a regular basis even when I didn't share it. After college, um, I moved briefly back to the Midwest and I lived there. And then from there, I came uh, relocated to New York. At that time, I was intent on finding my tribe, so to speak, the people that I would link up with, associate with. um, I wanted, I had a desire to research writing, writers, publishers. I'm going to be honest, I didn't fully know what I was doing. You understand what I'm saying? All I know mm-hmm. is I love writing and I dreamed of being published one day. I okay. used to sit at home and create my own children. I mean, straight up construction paper, pencils, and make illustrations and write stories. And I did that for a few years. Even after I moved to New York, I worked uh, to, just so your listeners know, I wasn't a full-time writer. When I first moved to Brooklyn, I got a job with a daily newspaper as an editorial intern and reporter. From Mm -hmm. there, I used to go out every night and network with different people in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Harlem, you name it. I met filmmakers. I met actors. I met writers. I met publicists. I met a young lady who took to me as a friend, and she said, what is your degree in? And I said, English, and I love writing. We started hanging out. She said, my company is looking for people with your talent." She worked wow. for the number three PR, I'm not going to mention the agency, but she worked for the number three PR company in the nation. Uh, long story short, I ended up getting a job with them. I went from the newspaper to a number three uh, PR company in the nation who does global uh, public relations. And I got a job uh, as an executive trainee, and eventually I was promoted to publicist for, get this, publishing companies. <laughs> Just, just to show you how, you know, I don't yes. know what people's beliefs are, how God in the universe works. Again, I yeah. was intent on writing. I was intent on publishing at some point, but I also had to work to make a living. So from right. there, I was a publicist for a while. I was writing poetry. I started going to the cafes, uh, uh, reading and reciting my poetry, performing, going to slam venues, making friends in different industries. Then I started putting on events before I published my first book. I left the PR agency, decided I really wanted to work with children. I had a background in teaching before I left the Midwest, but I took a break from it. I came back to it, uh, started teaching in Brooklyn, got certified as a teacher, and, you know, the rest is history with that. The bulk of my career in terms of work has been with uh, teaching being a literacy leader, and in addition to writing. So that's my work background, for those of you who may wonder, well, was she writing full-time? No, I still had to work and pay bills. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but um, it, so you, and
0: and I'm, it just sort of connected. it it is amazing how things connect. Uh, they, they just seem to happen out of nowhere, but how things connect. I want to talk about Deanne in the middle. Um, can you introduce off-the-shelf listeners, to 14-year-old Deanne.
1: Yes. Deanne Summers is the protagonist in my new young adult novel. The novel is set in St. Louis. I grew up in St. Louis. It's set within a fictional high school named Stonywood High School. Deanne is a typical teen who is a good teen. Interestingly enough, she is a dancer. She's been taking dance training most of her childhood. She's a budding poet. She's got a set group of friends from her neighborhood. She's an African American female teen. Um, She's being bussed in for your listeners who may know that whole uh, push to take black youth from urban neighborhoods and bust them to suburban neighborhoods to go to school. I don't know if they have, I don't think they have that here in New York, but in the Midwest where I grew up, they had that. Uh So Deanne and her friends are being bussed in to a A very suburban yet mixed community uh, of a high school setting. And the main conflict in this story is that some bullying, some youth bullying takes place, um, issues in dealing with youth, other people who are different from you, and then the question of how youth tolerate difference and how they accept one another when they're not all the same. So that's at the center of this story in addition to the, the typical issues in friendship, growing up, self-identity, and things of that nature. Now, what,
0: what, can you give us a time period? I know it, said it takes place, I think you said St. Louis. Can you tell us the time period? When you talked about the busing in, I'm thinking the 70s, but can you tell us oh. the time period that this, that this story takes place for our listeners?
1: This is happening now. I mean, oh, okay. rushing in still happens in this country in various regions of, of of this country. This is happening right now. So, ah, that
0: that's informational because I thought that they saw that maybe it wasn't working so much and. Kid, some kids getting but like Chris Rock tells jokes about it all the time. You can't right. school have a sleep because you have to get up so early. So I thought they just said this doesn't work so they had abandoned it. I'm surprised to hear that it's still going on in different okay. parts. Okay, well of- if
1: you if you if any of your listeners are interested as of last year, uh certain St. Louis school districts were um required due to a loss of some type of accreditation to uh, have to transfer some of their kids to other districts. These are primarily black districts who, for whatever reason, uh, were, not, were losing or lost accreditation. This happened just last school year. And these kids were being, uh, for lack of a better word, either bus or parents were having to provide some, some kind of transportation so that their children could be educated in other school districts typically suburban, more affluent school districts where the kids would uh, receive their proper credits and be educated. Now, as of this school year, I don't fully know how that has worked out, but last year I remember reading about it, and it was still going on. Uh
0: Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, do, do you, uh, can you describe Deanne's family? Is she an only child? And if not, what's her relationship like with her siblings? And what's her relationship like with her parents?
1: Thank you for that. I want to highlight that this is a story where the, the young teen um, is in a family, uh, a single-parent family. Her mother, um, Yvonne, is, is working Um, to provide for her and her younger sister. Um, They have parents who are divorced. Without giving too much away, um, the young lady does not have a close relationship with her father. But the story does not fully focus on that. It is a detail in the story, but primarily it is about being navigating through her first semester of high school and how she goes about uh, dealing with certain challenges.
0: Is she is she a go getter? Is she quiet? Is she shy? What, what what type of personality would you say she has? And does she make friends easily, or does she struggle to make friends?
1: Sure, I would say that this is a teen character who. Um, is in some ways reserved and reflective, but at the same time very much a typical teen in being social, um, meeting and making new friends, setting goals for herself, some goals in which other teens and peers around her um, do not agree with. So uh, I would say that in some ways she's a go-getter. She's a dancer. She writes poetry. She has certain goals for herself and at the same time she wants to be open and get along with her peers. Okay. Okay. So she sounds
0: like she has enough confidence cuz high school can can be a little for some people a little scary. But it's, it's a transition, and at that age I think it's a big transition. And then I have to go to a school all the way across town with people who may be different from you, sure. from different backgrounds than you. That could even make it more scary. But if she's used to making friends, I would think she she would be able to pull that off. But for somebody who's, like, incredibly shy, it right. was, I could imagine that would be that much harder. So I'm just trying to get a feel for her personality.
1: What's interesting about this story, and if you like, I can even read an excerpt for your readers, you know, for a minute or so. What's interesting about this story is this is a young lady who is observant of others and those who are different from her even seek her out because of certain things they see in her, if you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes in life, Um, As we're growing up, people see certain potential in us or they see something that they can relate to even if on the external we appear to be different. Do you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so that's something that is occurring in this story. And I really hope – you know, I had a teen – I was working with a summer program this summer, middle school, and I did have one of my students read the book. And by the end of the story – and by the way, she's not a black teen, so I thought it was very interesting. She really wanted to read the book. She said, I can relate to the main character. I feel like she's a role model for me. And I thought that yeah. was interesting because this young lady is not African-American. You understand what I'm saying? But uh-huh. she, she related to the story, and the story itself is universal enough that although the teen is a African-American uh, female protagonist, it's a story that many different teams can relate to. Yeah, you know, I think it with
0: a with a good novel. I think that is the case. I just if you write a novel where only people who from your background can relate to it, I don't think it's a good novel because you're not really develop. You're not really delving into the the human condition. And if wow. you to me, I mean, I think that even with a movie, I think most people would say if it's if it's truly good. And has depths, and anybody from a background it, it, it could appreciate it. Even an adult, I've heard some That's adults fine. reading it, and they can get some value out of it, even though it's a a, an, a a young adult book. I would love for you to read an excerpt after the next question to give you time sure. to get 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 to the part of the story that you want to share with our listeners. After I ask you this question, can you tell us about some of the other characters? We know there's Deanne's mom who's a single mom, and she's raising Deanne and Deanne's younger sister, Deanne's father, who doesn't have a big presence in the novel and she's not close to him. uh can you tell us about some of the other characters who helped to move Deanne in the middle forward?
1: Yes, without giving i mean without giving everything away, I want to say that Deanne has a set from her neighborhood. Um, they live on a street called Southgate Avenue. So she and her friends call themselves the Southgate Avenue Crew. And oftentimes teenagers, even middle schoolers, do give their cliques and their friends names. And these are names that maybe their teachers and their parents and adults might not even know. Sometimes it's an inside, you know, bit of information that they keep within themselves. And that's how they create their own unity, so to speak. So she's friends among the Southgate Avenue crew, and these teens are all black, all African-American. When she goes to uh, Stonywood High School, she does meet and encounter and befriend other teens of other back- backgrounds. Uh, one of the teens that she encounters uh, is a young lady named Kristen. Kristen is in her English class, and Kristen is a bright student just like Deanne, they're in advanced English and, you know, they kind of start off without planning it, they kind of start out competing with one another. And then they find out, and so does the class, that they both are quite bright and have talents and the teacher, their English teacher announces that she's going to have a poetry club. So, of course, Deanne wants to sign up for that and get into that. And so does Kristen. And, you know, from there, they, not without some conflict beforehand, which I don't want to give away, they do spark a friendship with one another. So ah. uh, I do want to mention that. Okay.
0: Are there any, any other characters you want to tell us about before you read your, an excerpt from the end in the middle?
1: Uh, there's some interesting characters who show up, uh, male and female, uh, without giving too much away, I certainly uh, would love for parents or teams to check it out. Uh, D.N. in the middle uh, via my website or Amazon.com. And I like to read. Um, I like to read uh, an excerpt here. Um, wow! Sometimes it's like, how do you choose the best representative and?
0: I know, that's the part in the
1: okay. You didn't have advance notice, so I can ask another question while you find an excerpt. Yeah, that would be great, and I'm paging through right now to see, you know, what I really want to read. How long is the book to start?
0: It's a young uh, adult, and I always think that those books are fairly short. How, how long is it, and what age group is it written for?
1: Sure. Well, the book is 208 pages, and it also features oh. at the end... Uh, and I'm going to be honest, it would have been almost 400 pages. Wow. I, I started working on this in 2007, and I've been writing it and picking it up and revising it for a number of years and uh, took some very good feedback that I got during workshopping. I have an MFA degree in creative writing, and this is one of the stories that I workshop during my MFA uh, graduate program. So I want to yeah. say that um, – Yes, ma'am, but I knew that, hey, if I make this 400 pages, I want to make it readable. My whole right. goal is to promote literacy in, in, among young readers. Many of our mm-hmm. youth are not reading enough. And a lot of times, if you give some of these kids, I'm not talking about the ones that are used to reading Harry Potter and Twilight and all of those that are three, 400 pages, kids that really need to build up to reading stamina, as an educator, I want to support them to start in increments. In other words, if I'm going to write a book for young readers, particularly those that I really want to start reading a lot more, I prefer to to write a modest-sized book and not a 400, 450-page book for them and say, you know, here, gobble this down. You know, no, I'd I think 200 them...
0: pages is a lot. I actually, oh, you that do? was a lot. Okay. I know Harry Potter and those books are long, long books. Oh yeah, they but are long. People yeah those people are big fans of those, those but, sequel know, books those those they wanna keep up with the characters and exactly will there right. be, will there be a sequel to the end in the middle
1: you know I hope so I mean I'm certainly planning on uh continuing uh with the story so we'll we'll you know we'll have to see but I really wanna uh get this out to the young readers and get my feed, you know get the feedback from it and you know, see how it goes. Okay. What age group would you
0: say the story is written for?
1: Well, I would honestly say from from the late middle grade on up to high school. But, again, you know, you know that a lot of our youth are on different reading levels. You right. know, uh, there's a statistic I recently read that said um, some of our youth, some of our youth are African-American youth, you know, at the high school level, they're still reading at a middle school level.
0: You know, mm. so to be
1: honest, the readability is from late middle middle years to through to uh, the high school. Okay. Okay. You know, I'll just say that. And some kids like a more com a very complex read. Some kids uh-huh. like a a a more. Uh, straightforward read. So I would say any time, any way from seventh grade and up, this book is acceptable and appropriate. Okay, okay. Are you ready to read an excerpt? Uh, Yes, I would say I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So the title of this uh, chapter is... Okay. All right, this is Chapter 9, and it's called Master Class. And just to set it up, uh, Deanne has been trying out for the uh, dance company in high school, so she, she has goals <laughs> that she's trying to achieve. I've been waiting all day for this. I almost couldn't focus in any of my classes from thinking about the Master Class with Miss Moshe and the Absolute Rhythms audition on Friday. After changing into my dance gear, I signed my name on a sheet taped to a table in the studio. Students have already started doing warm ups. I find a spot on the floor to stretch my body and warm up. Miss Moshe comes in with her assistant, DeAndre, and two African drummers. Everyone move to the bars and we're going to place you in height order for warm up, Miss Moshe says. The African drummers begin to play. This reminds me of the Catherine Dunham technique class I take in East St. Louis at S. I U E. The sounds of the drums are calming, and they make me want to dance. After 30 minutes of intense stretching, sit-ups, push-ups, neck and head rolls, shoulder hunching, toe pointing, foot flexing, and back bending, Miss Moshe divides the class into sets of four to imitate her and Deandre's dance movements across the floor. Group by group, as Miss Moshe counted one, two, three, four, we kick, slide, contract, bend, and curl our bodies. Ms. Moshe combines modern jazz and African dance movements for us to carry across the floor. I make sure to make my arm and leg extensions sharp. I know they're watching me. They're watching everyone, and if you can't keep up, you'll be cut. I keep my back straight when I need to and my eye on a special point on the wall in front of me so I don't become dizzy. Ms. Moshe and DeAndre approach some of the dancers throughout the master class to model a dance they aren't doing correctly. Ms. Moshe nods to me that I'm on the right track. Cool. I'm just going to pretend to be a gazelle or a peacock moving gracefully across the floor. The music carries me. I can't pay any attention to the competition. A few students have already walked out because the routines Ms. Moshe put together are too rigorous for them. Students gather round to show you the routine for Friday's official audition for Absolute Rhythm. Everyone moves off of the floor to the side and watches. There are specific elements of the dance I've seen before in my Saturday jazz class. Other parts of the dance are more abstract but not too challenging to learn. Ms. Moshe keeps doing the movements over and over. Two fan kicks, two PK turns to the right and two PK turns to the left. A dramatic turn then a graceful fall to the floor face down. Three rolls then a kick while on the floor to the left and same to the right. A crawl towards the standing position, run, run, leap, jump, contraction of the back, two pivots, kickball, chain, kickball, chain. Then there were several more movements. I study Ms. Moshe's facial expressions and the way her petite yet muscular body seems to easily morph from one movement to the next. Anyone want to rehearse with me for a few minutes, Ms. Moshe asked. I raised my hand and rushed to the front, along with several other students. The African drummers play as we shadow Ms. Moshe. We study the movements and fall into line as if we are each other's shadows, one by one. Students leave the center of the floor to grab their bags and leave. I'm the only one left, still shadowing Ms. Moshe. I don't care about staying later than everyone else. I have to master this. Ms. Moshe turns around and sees that I'm the only one here. You're still here after everyone has left, Ms. Moshe asks. I got lost in the music and the movements. Well, I suppose you did," she says. "Think you'll be ready for tomorrow? Yes, I will. Good. Make sure you practice at home, and we'll see you at three p.m. sharp on Friday. Ready for the audition? See you then. Bye, Miss Moshe. I'm sweaty and a little sore, but it was worth it. Time to wash up and change. I'm meeting Kristen and her friends at McDonald's.
0: Oh, <laughs> and I can see her passion. For a dance coming through really strong, uh, you, you're a very yeah. good reader. Uh, I could I could see her passion for and I and and her she seems to have some admiration for Miss Moshe. I pick up and yeah. one, her, her her approval. I also could pick that up as you were doing your reading. She does. I know Deanne in the middle came out last month. and I know you only have a few more minutes here here with us, but can you tell us what have and it's just it's just recently come out uh, and the title again for our. Off the Shelf Listeners is Deanne in the Middle by the De- Uwa U- Frazier. do I wanna Awa. Give you her what
1: Do-Iwa? Do-Iwa Frazier. Do-Iwa. do Awa, Fraser. Do Awa. Do Awa, <laughs> Awa
0: Frazier. want to yeah. give you do Awa? And, and she, her works have been nominated for the Writer's Digest Publishing Award and for an NAACP Image Award. And kudos to you on that. Uh, for, she, this is her young adult novel. It's about 209 pages. Uh, do Awa. Fraser, her website is D U E W A W O R L D. She said you can also get the book at Amazon and other bookstores, and it's titled "Deanne in the Middle." Wanted to ask you, what have readers been saying to you so far? And the book just came out, but what have readers been saying to you so far about Deanne in the Middle?
1: Well, yes, I mentioned the, of the student who read. Uh, the book, a young lady in middle school, she said that she enjoyed it. She said that she found the drama aspect was good, you know, just enough drama, but there's definitely a, a an in-depth storyline there. Um, she said that she felt the main character was a role model for her. I have some other uh, teens, young readers uh, who are reading the book right now, and I am awaiting more feedback. I've also done a few other interviews and blog interviews um, including on uh the Brown bookshelf, uh O E O E Books dot dot blog spot, and a few other uh blog interviews. So it's still early yet, but I look forward to receiving more feedback.
0: Yeah and, and hopefully our listeners will go out and get a copy for either their children, grandchildren or a young adult they know and then also offer offer you feedback. I and I just have a few more questions. I wanted to ask you can you tell us again where we can get copies of the end in the middle? And is it available in ebook and print format, or also audio? I know a lot of people like audio books. What yes. formats is well, it I'm available in, and I'm where in. is it available?
1: Yes, I'm in process of transferring the book into other formats. Right now, it's available via print on Amazon.com, and I I will have other formats available by this fall. It is a work in progress, as you know, and i'm you know I'm working with my own press i'm self published I do not currently have an agent or an editor or a manager, and so you know this is what uh is available at this time, and I'm happy um that people can have access to the print version, and soon we'll have the Kindle and other versions available.
0: Hopefully, you can get back in touch with that p r company you worked with. Hey, can you help me out? <laughs> what, right. What well, is, you know what?
1: The, the blessing is I'm able to connect with wonderful people like you, Denise, and I do have uh, a number of other outlets um, that have interviewed me, and I have some uh, event dates coming up. And so, you know, what I understand about the publishing journey is that everything doesn't happen all at once. Um, it is a flow, and you do pace yourself, and it's business plus art, artistry, and I yes. think knowing both sides is important. Um, so I'm okay with that and I'm I'm just happy to be able to unveil the book as it as I can, uh, through different outlets such as your wonderful radio show here.
0: Well, I thank you for that and I and I'm excited for you. It's always good to see somebody who really appreciates art and storytelling to, to create and then share what they create with others. You never know what benefits uh The readers will get out of the end in the middle. Many that might have been that you might not even have been aware of. Wanted to ask you just two more, two two to three more questions quickly. What advice would you give someone who's looking to write and publish a young adult novel?
1: Yes, I really I would. I was hoping you would ask something to that vein. I want to say to just keep writing, collect ideas, collect ideas visually in addition to writing. I'm someone that enjoys putting collages and vision boards together. Years ago, I cut out, uh, before the book was even finished, of course, I began making boards, cutting out images of young teens that I felt represented my characters. I also wrote descriptions of my characters under those images and had them on a small poster board. You know, I'm into doing whatever works to help you pull all of your ideas together, and help you see your story and your project clearly. Um, I went through an MFA degree uh, creative writing program. I know that it it may not be for everyone. If you don't want to do a creative writing degree, you can join your local writers group. You can take writing courses in a continuing ed program. But I'm a great proponent of people studying the craft. Um, I'm constantly in the library. I read young adult books. I have interviewed young adult authors on my own radio show and blogs, so it's something that I have been following for years. And, of course, as an educator and an English teacher, which I've been uh, formally, um, it was upon me to order books for my students. And oftentimes when we couldn't get books at school, I was one of those teachers that would take part of my paycheck and go spend 100 to $200 wow. on young adult books for my mm-hmm. students and you know that's something that I often did and this as well before I wrote this novel so I think that you need to study the genre study it figure out what works for you take some writing courses get some people to read over your work and I don't just mean your family I mean people who are professional editors writers and professors of writing to give you honest critique and feedback
0: I really appreciate you sharing that uh do and I hope that you can take your teaching uh experience and get your Deanne in the middle into some schools you know I don't know what the vendors I know a lot of colleges and second secondary schools they use certain types of vendors to get their to get the books into their schools I'm not sure what ones they use but that would be great if you could do that as well Uh, last question are you on any social networks and if you you are where can off the shelf listeners find you
1: Oh, for sure. Thank you for asking that. I would love for people to follow uh, me at Twitter. I'm at DoAwa, D-U-E-W-A World, W-O-R-L-D, the same as my website on Twitter, DoAwa World. I'm also on Facebook. I have an author Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash DoAwa Frazier. Frazier spelled F-R-A-Z-I-E-R, E-R, excuse me. I'm on LinkedIn as do Awa Frazier. And um, let's see, what else? Well, those are the biggies, I mean, and also you can email me through my website at world buewa com. and I'd love to hear from people. And um, just so people know, my Twitter account, I primarily tweet and retweet information on uh, education, writing, publishing, and the arts. So, you know, that's mainly me. I don't. Tend to I have a few photos on there, maybe one video. I don't tend to do anything else. So if you're interested in those and that and that type of information, definitely follow me and we can link up.
0: Okay, well we want to thank you. I know you've got to run. Uh so we want to thank you for being here with us. Dewey, well we another wonderful guest we've had here on Off the Shelf and Dewey with Frazier, and her name is spelled to our listeners D U E W A Frazier. She's the author of the Ann in the Middle, again, she's nominee for a Writer's Digest Publishing Award and an NWACP Image Award. So we want to thank her for being here with us. And what's thank your blog you. talk radio
1: show? Thank you. And my blog talk, I'm on a hiatus during the summer right now, but it's radio. And the Rhymes link views is – News. Yes, ma'am. Rhymes Views and News Talk Radio on the website is blog talk. Uh, radio.com slash do a walk show and i have uh some great interviews there with authors and poets as well okay so you and guys so can go check her out thank you so much i'm
0: gonna let you jump and and uh, i'll you. send you the link when it finishes streaming thanks so
1: much denise and have a wonderful day i look forward to being in touch with you okay you too thank you okay bye-bye
0: as Duewa is, is is exiting, she had to run to another event, which I found out probably about two minutes before the sh- the show came on. A lot of talk shows are like a half an hour, and some, you know, off the shelf. Here we always have an hour, and oddly enough, she spent about forty forty two minutes with us today, and we appreciate that. But oddly enough, the hour doesn't often seem to be enough. Because <laughs> I I rarely get through all the questions, and I don't remember the last time I did, but there's so many questions that we asked our guests. And in answering the questions, off-the-shelf guests so graciously, they share such valuable tips and guidance. I learned something from every guest we've had on the show, and I certainly hope that you all do as well. We always have guests that come on, and I don't know how that happens. Again, it's just organic in answering the questions they share these really gold nuggets of advice and tips that people can use. Whether you're a, you, you're a book reader, you just an avid book reader, you love to read, or you're a writer, a publisher, a literary agent, and we've had people on off the shelf who were business owners as well. Some one guest we had on was um, he, he writes books and does motivational speaking. So we've had we've had a broad range, a broad type of authors on. And then the authors, particularly those who write nonfiction books, some of them have very interesting backgrounds themselves, the topics that they write about and some of their life experiences that they've had that they incorporate in their nonfiction writing. So we've really been fortunate and blessed here at Off the Shelf. Again, our number one blessing to me is you, you and, and the guests that we have on. I mean, our listeners, I was looking back at our stats uh earlier this week and we've had some of our shows have had well over 4,000 listeners and I really appreciate uh, all of you who tune in week after week every Saturday morning I always encourage you to tell your family your friends your neighbors everybody who loves literature because we the guests are really really good and and they're, they're not all well-known big-name guests but some of them have gone on to do well uh i always say roland martin who's on td1 now he was on cnn years ago he was on off the shelf and we've had a couple of other guests who have gone on to have their own television shows they've gone on to do well so i really appreciate that they had that stop here at off the shelf being that we've been here for over 10 years that's not that uh hard to imagine All these weeks, we've been fortunate to have some wonderful guests. And one of them just popped into my head. Her name is Ola Jackson, and she's got a conference coming up in Philadelphia, and I think it's coming up in October. I don't have the exact date, but she's also on social media, and it's O-N-Y-X, Onyx, Onyx Woman, and her name is Ola Jackson. You could either find her on LinkedIn or Twitter to learn more about her conference, but I know she has one coming up, and she does a lot of things. She's from Pittsburgh. She's based out of Pittsburgh. She does a lot of things for to support women business owners, and I, the conference is going to focus on how to get beyond those barriers, how to get beyond what's holding you back to uh, to achieve your goals. And it, oddly enough, do Awa said today that one of the things she learned was when what you focus on grows. So if you focus on writing and you don't really know the path of how you're going to become the author of a young adult novel like The Ann in the Middle which Dewey Well Fraser has authored, if you just focus on what it is you want, what causes you to feel joy and love, the, the the pieces behind the scenes will just come together. You just have to take action when you're inspired to take action and not give in to fear and the pieces will keep Keep continuing to come together, so I encourage you to do that. I wanted to spend the last, and we don't have that much longer in today's show, but sharing some tips with you. I was reading an article yesterday, and it was actually uh, uh, by an organization that focuses on recruiting, and some of the things that I discovered were, and and it's it's oddly enough, as DuAbel was talking about, the path for writing for many things in life is a path, and you have to trust it and go after what you want, that things will come together. Like off-the-shelf radio, I didn't think of being a radio show, owning my own radio show. I went out to get an interview with, with Neil Blake at Blake Radio, and he said, why don't you start your own show? I mean, it happened so seemingly out of the blue. Like her connection, Duay was shared with the uh, number three PR firm in the nation, that she just, it's, it almost seems like an accident, but it isn't. But one thing I learned yesterday when I was reading that article, they said typically, and this is whether, I would imagine this is whether you're looking for a writing job or any type of job because they didn't specify that it applies to any certain fields, markets, or industries, but it said typically when you see a job posting, and this is for off-the-shelf listeners, regardless of the type of job you're applying for, that you might find is helpful And hopefully for some of you, it might help you to land a gig that you really want, whether it's in literature or in another field. But he said typically uh, you want to apply for a job as soon as you see it. He said the uh, the first person generally applies for a job within, I think, 200 seconds of the job being posted so you want to you want to get there early. If you if you see a job that's been out there, a writing job, copywriting, medical writing, proofreading, editing, or another job that you w- you're interested in, and it's been open for two to three weeks, uh, the, uh, re- the recruiters might not still be looking through the the uh, resumes for those jobs. Another thing is uh, a lot of companies, particularly if you're looking for to get in with a big PR company and do some writing, et cetera. They receive so many resumes that a lot of them, or another type of company operating in another industry, they have what they call ATS uh, uh, systems. And they they literally, those are computerized systems, automated tracking systems, that they'll read through the resume first, and then if the resume has keywords that are similar to what's in the job posting, They'll put it bring it up to the top so the recruiter can see it If your resume doesn't have those keywords, it may never be seen and You might receive an email from that firm that says "Thank you we appreciate you uh, applying for a job with us blah 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 blah." But we've decided to move on with other candidates. but what you might not know is that your resume may never ever have been read so they, they look for it, look at the job description. They really recommend reading through it well. Make sure you are qualified for the job. And also put some keywords in your resume that are also found in the job description. So you might put copywriter in there. Maybe two to three, I would say maybe, maybe even three to four times. Or freelance writer if that's what they're looking for. Medical copywriter. Whatever the job description says human resources manager, uh, whatever type of job you're looking for, put those keywords in there that match up with the job posting. So if the company's using an automated tracking system, there's a, a computerized it was software really to pull up certain resumes that have these keywords in them, yours will come up. The number one way, though, to get a job is through referrals. And that's where organ- uh, uh networks like LinkedIn and your alumni uh, organizations, keeping in touch with former colleagues, etc., etc. you can't beat the value of relationships. I don't care if you're looking for a job, you want to have somebody that you can do something fun with over the weekend. I, if, when you step back and really look at life, whether you're a writer and you're trying to sell books or you, you, you're a small business owner or you're trying to sell a product, You have nothing without relationships. Uh, There's no way around it. There is no way around that. No way around it. And uh, you can be as intelligent as you want to be. Your IQ IQ can be over the moon. But if you don't have relationships, I I, I don't think you, how much do you really have? Because at some point in life, you're going to have to relate with others. You're going to have to. So the better skills you can, and that brings to mind, as we come down to the last few minutes of today's show, I want to close with a reading from Love Paul Over Me, but uh, Warren Buffett said that. He said he struggled with communicating with others and communicating, and he took a course, and his, his career took off. His career took off. So I, I can't stress it enough, the value of knowing how to relate to people, appreciating people, sincerely appreciating people, and knowing how to speak to people when you're frustrated and feeling impatient, you might be feeling afraid, but still treating people with love and respect and gentleness even then. I mean, it can go a long, 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 long way. So i leave you with that. And then the the point I was making, not only the tips on uh, the resumes, is also they said t- generally when a resume is posted, 200 people to 250 will read it. Now, the big firm, it's going to be a lot more than that. It could be in the thousands. And then 100 people will actually fill out the application or start the application because a lot of people don't even finish the application. And then out of those, maybe one to three will go to the second round of an interview and then one's picked. So having a referral, again, the networks, the relationships, is the best way to get noticed um, when you're looking Looking for a job, whether it's in literature, book publishing, etc. Uh, that's that's that is the number one way. But you can see how the odds, especially at a big firm, uh, what do they say? Deloitte and Touche was like 3.5 percent of the of people who apply with them actually get a job. At Google, it's less than one percent. So. You've got to do. You've got to network and get out there. The same thing as a writer. You attend writing conferences. You connect with editors that way. You and age, literary agents, and you go to book festivals and book fairs to connect with readers. It's all about relationships. You want a great product, yes, but after that product comes out, if you want to move it, you've got to start building relationships. I can't stress that enough. So I, I really hope that. Uh, the keyword thing proves helpful to you. The networking, the referral. If you're looking to get a, a writing job at a company or another job, look look on LinkedIn, other forums. Who's there that you know? How can you get connected to the person if you aren't? Try to and then start building a relationship with them. And more people. And then you can ask them, Hey, look, I applied for this job. Could you who do you know who the hiring manager is? So you can address the cover letter to the hiring manager directly those things are very helpful, and they might even put a word in for you uh, as you apply for the job. And then you return the favor to people uh, when they're looking for references, etc. This is relationships is a circle that never ends. It has no brokenness in it. It just goes around and around. So you don't always want to be the one to receive. You also want to give. You want to be flexible, and you want to be adaptable. I want to close with reading uh, some from love pour over me, and I, I think this part I have read before. So I want to go to reading another part of love pour over me. And this is when uh, Raymond is—he's already graduated from high school. His father didn't come to his high school graduation, and he's decided that he's he's leaving home. So he's coming to uh, a brand—he's coming to a brand new town. So I will start here. Um, he, He, Raymond, grabbed his sports bag and got in line behind other riders. He's getting off a Greyhound bus. Single foul they inched, one slow step after another, off the bus. Tops of lofty buildings saluted the stars in a way they didn't in the daytime when government employees and business workers rushed back and forth across the noisy streets. Philadelphia's sticky night air combed Raymond's skin. And Raymond's from Dayton, Ohio, you guys. Uh, philadelphia's sticky night air combed raymond's skin and whisked up his nose he frowned the odor near the bus terminal was funky stale and sweaty candy wrappers dirty napkins empty soda cans and shreds of paper littered the ground raymond turned in a circle not sure which way to go cars sped down Silver street heading deeper into town Prostitutes coursed the night in high, narrow hills, and pants so tight anyone walking behind them could tell they didn't have on panties. Music blared on battery-operated radios. A dog barked in the distance. Need a ride? A thin ebony-skinned cab driver called out to Raymond. Sure do, Raymond answered. 325A Walnut Street, he told the driver as he slid across the cab at the back seat. Fifteen minutes later, the cab pulled in front of an open field behind which were several brick apartment buildings, their roofs tall and wide. The cab driver glanced at the lights coming away from the apartments. 325A Walnut Street. With a single wave, Raymond stepped away from the cab and moved across the expansive campus. He squinted through the night and asked a couple snuggling on a bench at the center of the lawn how to reach Roden College House. Keep walking, the blonde-haired guy wearing a T-shirt with Ride It Out printed on the front said. His girlfriend kept her head buried against his chest. When you reach the end of the lawn, take a laugh. The guy's pointing finger rose. See that tall building over there? Raymond followed the guy's finger. He nodded. Yeah, that's Roden. Thanks, man, Raymond said. He slapped palms with the guy, pulled up on the strap of his sports bag, and resumed his walk across the lawn. A short, muscular dude looked up from behind a long desk with a plate nailed to it. that read, House resident director. Name? The guy asked, his mouth twisted in irritation. Raymond Clark. Room 712, the guy said, holding out a key. He didn't like, he did, He looks like he hadn't missed a day of lifting weights in a decade. You have the apartment to yourself until we find your roommate. He glanced at the registry. Coach Carter's sponsoring you. He looked up with a crooked grin, one not bearing compliments. Track star, huh? Raymond laughed. Something like that. Yeah. The guy growled. Is there a problem? Raymond asked, stepping back. Nah, the guy grumbled. You're the last check-in. I was waiting on before I go home. He cut his eyes at Raymond. I got parties to get to. Raymond took the key. Didn't mean to hold you up. Don't worry about it. The guy responded dryly. He stood. Name's Walter. Cool, Raymond said, trying to clear the air. Good to meet you, man. Walter unclenched his jaw and pointed over his shoulder. You could take the elevator behind us. And trust me, man, I would. He worked at a chuckle. Those stairs are a B. As Raymond hoisted his sports bag onto his shoulder and walked to the elevators, Walter turned and peered at him out of the corners of his eyes. The elevator went up like a slow yawn. After Raymond got off on the seventh floor, he went two doors to the left, and there he was at his new home, apartment 712. He unlocked the door, went straight to his bedroom, and fell across the bed. His bones ached with the heaviness of fatigue. The 14-hour bus ride had exhausted exhausted him. And then he goes on to examine his new home. If you read the first chapter, you'll find out why he left home, the decision he made, and this new decision is a new turn in Raymond's life. And like a lot of decisions that we make, even if he wanted to, at this point in his life, he can't turn back. And, And a lot happens from here on out and love pour over me. He's made one choice and despite if he wanted to, he can't turn back. It's all gonna unfold. It's all gonna keep unfolding from here. Some of the things that unfold will be very, very hard and some of the things he'll be glad he made his decision. Just that with each of us, but his father his father and his and Walter Walter has a big scene in love pour over me as well. But he's going to meet some wonderful friends. He'll meet Brenda, and he has some 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 challenges that are heartbreaking. Uh, but you can watch how this story unfolds, and it ends. Raymond Raymond's very very much older at the end of Love Pull Over Me. You'll get to see a life a life evolve as you read Love Pull Over Me. You can read more excerpts at my website chistel.com, c h i s t e l l dot com. It's an ebook. It's in print. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Walmart. You name it. You can If you don't see it on the store shelves, just ask the clerk for it. Tell them you want to get Love Poe For Me by Denise Turney. They can special order it for you because it's carried by Ingram Books, which is one of the largest book distributors in the world. I want to thank you guys for being here with me. Please go support Diawa Frazier, Deanna in the middle as well. I want to thank you guys. And De'Awa, our guest who had to jump, she had to run to an event in Harlem. So I want to thank you for being here. Please come back. Next Saturday, every Saturday, 11 a.m., Saturday morning, Eastern Standard Time or New York City time, tell everybody you know who loves literature, inspiration, being encouraged, being motivated. And as I always tell you, you are, and I mean this, I hope one day you really believe it if you don't. You are fabulous. You are so awesome. You are just amazing. Go out and create a wonderful day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday. Bye for now.